0: Two passages I want to use to introduce our thoughts tonight. One's in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. Wait, forgot to start this area. And empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in Him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Here in this passage, he is, he is giving us a warning not to be taken in by the world's philosophy. Normally, we aren't. But, in this case, it is absolutely coming into the church. And it's because of the familiarity of vocabulary. They are using some terms that we're going to use a lot of terms tonight you've never heard before. But with the terms that we do use, it's going to seem familiar to us like anti-racist and other kinds of things but we need to be aware that they use the term differently than what we do. They are saying something else and not what we say. Notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 notice in verse 11 he tells us here that there no advantage would be taken of us by Satan we are, we are not ignorant of his schemes, the American Standard says. I believe there is a place for us to look at ideas of men, especially when they are used against the church. We are ignorant. If we, if we're, we're naive if we know that this truth is out there and yet are unaware of how it's used, and we should not be that. We should be, should be aware of how Satan uses his schemes. Now I'm not saying we, saying we should study uh, all the doctrines in the world or we would not be studying our word. When, the, when a bank teller tries to discover uh, fake counterfeit bills, he doesn't study all counterfeits. He studies the original. And everything that doesn't fit with the original is a counterfeit no matter its quality or whatever. And so there are some things that we want to say tonight. And I want to say one thing very thankfully and and, 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 uh, confidently. The fact that we are not Calvinist, the fact that we do not believe in hereditary depravity, gives us a big edge in this discussion. The fact that we're all created in in the image of God, and God's going to hold everyone accountable, Is something that is not that those in the world aren't familiar with that kind of accountability and we stand uniquely on being able to communicate gospel truths to people who have bought into this theology or this idea tonight so I just want to know church where where's we stand to gain by spreading the gospel to people who are confused about some of these doctrines of men tonight So we're not ignorant of the devil and his designs or his schemes. I had to fight my notes a lot because I wanted to give an answer of how to deal with this at every turn. But my task is to help us understand what it is. You don't know how frustrating that was. So tonight I may stray (laughs) and tell you just like that uh, what what we can do to do something to do about it. But I'm looking forward to Delmer's talk a lot. <laughs> so anyway, as far as how we can uh, deal with this stuff. Okay, first of all, let's go to what is a critical race theory and how do we understand it? What does it mean to us? Uh, first of all, this is a vocabulary lesson. And you guys are gonna have to get familiar with terms they use and what they mean by it. So write down some, some uh, words tonight. And you're going to look at them, and then we're going to talk about what those what words mean tonight a little bit. First of all, if well, okay. First, I have a technical difficulty. <laughs> Let's see if we can get this thing to go. There we go. Okay. Um, this cartoon is taken from a Portland paper. You might find that interesting. July 14th, 2001. Uh, the, uh, this is critical race theory. If, it, if they can't teach it, it never happened. U.S. race history. They believe people who are against critical race theory are against history. And you have to tell them that is not the case. That's not true. We're for history. We're going to talk about what history means in just a little bit we are actually for history but we are not for history and the feelings about history helping us make decisions about the future we must learn the lessons of history and not just regurgitate the feelings of history where there's a difference between true knowledge and feelings and those are some of the things that we need to get balanced out about this so we are not, just because we may stand against critical, uh, race the, uh, tra, uh, critical race theory doesn't mean we're against history. In fact, we're for the truth being told. We're not for just regurgitating history time and time and time again for the purpose of an emotional response. That's not what we're about. We're learning the lessons of history. Okay. This is a book that is often used uh, to teach critical race theory. I'm just showing you because this is what it's gonna look like in college campuses. (coughs) This is the book that is normally used as a textbook. But you're gonna find that there are several terms that are used by teachers of this that come up time and time again. Racism, privilege, whiteness, intersectionality. What does intersectionality mean? What do these things mean? Well, whenever our government starts printing out material and it uses these terms, we need to know what those terms literally mean. This is the first part of something that was put out by the Smithsonian Institute that talked about whiteness and how whiteness was the part of the problem. Aspects and uh, assumptions of whiteness or white culture in the United States. And whenever you have our government printing it out and, say, and saying it that this is the truth as far as they know it, we need to have a response to that. This brochure is still available online. They have pulled it from distribution, but it's still available, uh, and they tell you that, by the way, as well. Also, in our discussion, uh, Black Lives Matter, when we're self-reflective and do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege and uplift black trans folks, especially black trans women, who continue to disproportionately be impacted by trans antagonistic violence. We foster a queer farming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of hermonitive thinking, uh, or rather the belief that all the world are heterosexual unless uh, unless he or she or they disclose otherwise. In other words, part of this movement is to redefine everything in a new way. They believe that people who will defend normal sexual behavior, man and a woman, they believe somebody who is cisgender like that that's what they call that, that they believe that's one aspect of it, but it's an aspect of those who are against critical race theory, and Black Lives Matter is against that ideology. They attack, literally, the home is existence. The existence of the home. They want it to be defined as everything under the sun, except a man and a woman, in, in a, a normal relationship. So, we're gonna try to go through this quickly and we're gonna see if we're successful. Why should we care about this? What is critical theory? Well, here's why we should care. This is a picture, by the way, this slide I got from Neil Shinby Apologetics site, and I plagiarized freely from his uh, <laughs> from his uh, PowerPoint tonight. Now, I, I added a lot of stuff, but this slide is from his thing. Read it, if you will. Notice what he says. Children should care about social justice. But, notice on the other side, sexism is a sin. Women are made in God's image. Yeah, that sounds responsible, absolutely. Because the gospel is about about caring for the poor. The church needs to stop oppressing women. What do do you mean? Well, uh, does it really matter whether Jesus is, is, is a God anyway? Smash the patriarchy, Wicca for all. The the point I'm getting at here is that whenever you read stuff like this, you get the idea that they kind of want to saddle up to Christians as long as we have the same enemy, but they'll turn on you immediately whenever you defend the home, and they'll say that's patriarchacy, and that you need to give that up because that shows one class or one gender above another gender, or differentiation, it makes a distinction, and that is not right. Why we should care? Well, they talk about race and gender uh, and all of these things and it's all critical theory. Well, what is critical theory? Let's really get down to what it is. Alone among these thinkers, Karl Marx invites consensus as a true critical theorist. Indeed for many, he alone inaugurates the critical tradition. Now, before there was critical race theory, there was critical theory. And that's, uh, when you study these ideas, you have to go back to critical theory first before you get critical race theory. Now, critical race theory is grown exponentially in, to our minds because it's confronting outside of the world of academia. That inside the world of academia, Critical theory has been around for quite a while. In fact, since Marx. Marx created it. And those who defended it are, were designed themselves to answer cr- critics of Karl Marx. We have to go back to Karl Marx, and I want to tell you, he's the one. Before this, there's no such idea as critical race theory or critical theory. He's the one that had the idea, we need to look at laws, we need to look at government, We need to look at anything that keeps people stratified. His idea of utopia was nobody's accountable to anybody. That's what he wants. The workers aren't oppressed, the employers aren't oppressors, but everybody gets to live in utopia. That was the word, utopia is his word. And that's what we want to get to. The problem is, is critical race theorists want to be top of the heap, and they want to oppress Christians. (laughs) So anyway, let's look a little bit more at this. Karl Marx is where it all started though. Notice, critical theory and the Frankfurt School. You can't read very long about critical race theory without coming along with the Frankfurt School. Frankfurter, literally. I thought you might think that's funny, but it came from Germany. And that's what it was originally. But the Frankfurt School started in Germany before Hitler. Hitler kicked them out. Hitler Hitler was a ruler. And he didn't want anybody contesting his ideas. He kicked them all out. They came to America, to Manhattan Island, to Columbia University. And at Columbia University, they sat and worked out critical theory. A lot. That's what the Frankfurt School is. It's a German school in New York that uh, they worked on how to be apologetic for Karl Marx. And the reason why was because everywhere Marxism had been introduced, it failed. Every time, every place. You period here, you know, they died. Millions of people died. Over there, millions of people died. 500 million died. Oh, yeah, I mean 500,000 died. And then over here, the, you've got people dying all over the place. And they say, why isn't this working? Why aren't the workers in this economic inequity, they call it, why aren't these workers rising up to overthrow their landowners, the oppressors? First of all, Karl Marx lived whenever social strata could, had an impact on who could own a business. The late uh, 1800s, we find that women still didn't own a lot of businesses. A lot of other races didn't own businesses. A lot of, um, there was a lot of people that owned business and everything and they couldn't break out. There wasn't a lot of uh, variety because there were these people that held monopolies. And he saw the evil of monopolies. His criticisms, some of his criticisms are valid as far as people who are uncaring and just want to be land barons and, uh, you know, that they never have enough. You know, it was just a contest so he could get the most wealth. Well, some of that is valid. Some of people were greedy and some of them were ruthless. And so you go, yeah, Marx identified with that. The problem is, is, in that st- social strata, that social construct, the entrepreneur wasn't given a lot of opportunities. But has that remained true? No. America developed a middle class. A great middle class. A p- class where people who if they had ideas or had a coin, they could in- get involved. They could develop. And what Frankfurt School found out is, if you have a big middle class, you can't get a revolution. And it frustrated him to no end because economically people saw and unfortunately Marx didn't live in that time and so he interpreted his theories according to his experience and so he did he wasn't brainy enough to think outside of his box but yet people have continued to take him and try to apply it in today's world and that's why it constantly consistently fails because he didn't have it right. It's just nothing more than a bad idea. Okay, here are these guys. Critical theory of the Frankfurt School. Critical theory was conceived within the crucible of Marxism. The Frankfurt School not only contested establishmentarianism as a view of history, but projected a radical alternative. European radicals applied this idea to reconfigure family, sexuality, and education. In other words, they began to apply it not just economically, but they began to apply it to the family uh, and other kinds of things. How can we do this? Other social theorists along the timeline down here have developed themselves over the year. Many people fail to understand the impact of postmodernism on this, but postmodernism was an attack on epistemology. I worked a long time to say that. epistemology is the Greek word for knowledge or knowing something and saying something is absolutely true and they don't like that something to be absolutely true is abhorrent they are agnostic whenever it comes to truth and so that's why they have to think up theories they have to see if these things work it's the wisdom of men as opposed to the wisdom of God God's truth will remain true no and every man found a liar so the whole point is all of these things came together in a perfect storm in our generation and that's what's going on here okay now I'm gonna give you another word taxonomy (laughs) taxonomy for those of you in agriculture (laughs) this word means uh, the thought it's kind of like a hereditary study of plants the uh, plants have a certain they have a certain history to them. They came from these parents and this and this is what came from that. Well, this is that same thing and it's very bright and I don't I have my own copy up here. Uh, if you want to really look at it in depth, we, you can look at it some more. But let's just suffice so it to say that whenever we study the timeline, and that's what this is over here, of critical race theory, Goes back up here to the Enlightenment, and then comes right down the French uh, Revolution. Utopian Socialism is number three over there. I'm sorry you can't read it, but Utopian Socialism, uh, that's where the word utopia really gained ground. That's the aim of socialism, so to speak. Then the Romanticism, and if you'll look just to the right, that's where Karl Marx comes and his writings, and then right there is Gramsci. Now, I want you to know that Gramsci had a big impact on the acceptance of Marxism, because he took a lot of time to try to explain how this worked, not only in law, but in government and in other relationships. Gramsci is, he's really the guy who fleshed it out. So, gotta give the guy credit, even for a bad idea. Karl Marx was, (coughs) Karl Marx put it up to paper but honestly, he wasn't the intellectual giant that Gramsci was. Gramsci was more intellectual than Marx. But anyway, the problem is, is he just worked on another bad idea and made it worse. So anyway, then you, go, you come on down here. And uh, the, the Frankfurt School is right here, is underneath it. And uh, over here, you have black feminism. And that has an impact on this as well. And then you come along, I, this is really bad. I'm sorry that that's not a better slide. Let's continue on. You don't need to know that. Just know that this developed through time. I just want you to understand how that it evolved, and it evolved with ideas of men trying to get God out of the system. On every turn, every Marxist and communist hopes the family falls and the church falls every single one because they don't want nothing to challenge the power of the people, so to speak. They want the gods to be made of men rather than of God. They have no outside, external uh, critical theory. Neo-Marxism is what critical theory is. Queer theory, all of these things, all these things go together. And that's why You have an attack that is so many-sided, and that's why the church is so intertwined with fighting this, is because this is not a one-sided attack. This isn't just politics. I've had brethren tell me, why should we be concerned with critical race theory? Isn't that just something of the world? Isn't that just politics? Or isn't it economics? Somebody said, that's just an economic theory. I said, no, not whenever it attacks the home, it's not. Not whenever it tries to attack... Christian view of homosexuality it's not these are things that the church has to be aware of because it is a many-sided attack that is an attack against any authority of Christ and his kingdom at all in fact some of the, the things that are against it are called kingdom theology against kingdom theory <laughs> this is what one Christian writer wrote about it okay what is critical theory well they use terminology and Like I said, we can't talk about this without talking about some new words that are maybe unfamiliar to us. Intersectionality. Let me explain what it is while we're going. Intersectionality is the fact that everything's in groups. There are no individuals in Marxist theory. Everybody's in a group. And what group are you? If you're black, you're in a black group. If you're Hispanic or Asian, you're in a certain group. If you're a woman or a man, that's a grouping. That's an intersection. If, you're, uh, if you are, have a low IQ, that's a certain group. That's a subgroup. And so they begin to talk about, well, how much of a victim are you? Well, you kind of go, well, I'm a queer, black, and you start naming all the groups you belong to. And the more groups you belong to, the more credibility you have. That you're an oppressed person. Oppressed by the man, oppressed by the church, oppressed by Christians, oppressed by somebody. the more groups you're and that's what intersectionality is, is how many intersections can you come to that you can say, "This is my street, too." <laughs> I kind of put it that way, is that uh, uh, if there are some people that they're victims, fivefold, fourfold, threefold, and twofold, whatever. But that's what intersectionality means is how many oppressed groups are you a member of? White privilege. You come. You don't have any intersectionality. You're a white male. You're inherently evil. <laughs> you are the top group, and you are to be fought. You are, even when you don't know it, you're racist. You're racist. And that's what they say all the time. White people are racist. Black people can't be racist because they're an oppressed group, and they're oppressed by the white people. White people are racist. All the white people. Now we got really familiar with this when talking about our last president. You kinda go, no he's not racist, look how he behaves. No, 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 he's white, he's a racist. That's the point. There's no discussion. If you're a white person, you're a racist, no matter what. White fragility, uh, D'Angelo, uh, never mind. I'm not gonna advertise her book. It's the worst book written. Do not buy if I do, I will smack you if you buy White Fragility. <laughs> do not, that book is pathetic. It is wrong, it is garbage. Okay, Glenn, do you have an opinion? Yeah, I do, on that one. Okay, that's just bad. Okay, colorblind racism. They said, how can you be colorblind and racist at the same time? Well, if you don't acknowledge that everybody has a racial group, then you're being foolish. They say, you need to acknowledge. You need to repent of being white. You need to say, I'm sorry, I've had the power, I'm gonna give it up to you. I'm just gonna give you whatever you want. That's what it is, they want you to repent of being white. Okay, colorblind racism. Internalized oppression, you don't know whenever you oppress somebody. Just speak up because of the way you think. Uh, I, I read one little illustration that I thought was good. Oh, this is what I was afraid of, I was afraid I was going off, but anyway. Uh, uh, a white man and a black man go into a store. Which one does the counter the guy at the counter wait on first? Well, if he waits on the white man, it's because he's <laughs> he's got white privilege, and that's wrong. But if he waits on the black if he waits on the black man, it was because he was trying to fess up his guilt and that he that he's really a racist. And some guy says, "Well, nobody can win." the guy telling the story said, that's the point. This is a no-win situation. It doesn't matter what you do, it's racist. No matter what you do, it's racist. In fact, Neil Shindy puts it this way. Racism is normal everywhere, all the time. Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Everywhere, all the time. It leads to number two, convergence theory. Everything is racist except whenever you do something for somebody of another race, and then we're going to assume it was because you had a self interest in it, therefore it's wrong. Therefore it's immoral. Therefore a white person is immoral even if he does something right, because he's doing it for selfish motives. Boy, you talk about people who believe they have the knowledge of hearts. These people really do. And they're anti-liberal, and number four, they have a knowledge as a social construct and not objective, and we're gonna to get to that right at the end of where we're at today. Okay, uh, let me continue on here. A lived experience takes priority over objective truth. Uh, if, somebody, if somebody says that from their racist perspective this happened to them, they are sharing something that you cannot understand therefore their knowledge is superior to objective. If they say police hunt black people and kill them more than white people then that must be true. When in reality that's not true at all. But that's not the point. The point is to them it's true and you need to acknowledge that. Okay, lived experience. Heteronormativity which means that being Heterosexual—that you love women and women love men—that's a problem, especially if you expect it of anybody else except yourself. Gender performance, the, injustice, uh, since since, heter compulsory heterosexuality, a person who believes the Bible to be the superior truth, of course, has a problem with that. Quite rigid. These are some books on that if you want to go into more uh, more uh, study of this. Social justice, as social justice warriors, is what is the result of this. There's no, there's no utopia. Utopia is the furthest thing from their mind. They don't want that. They want to turn you into a radical. That's all they want to do. They want you to be radical. That's what it is. Premise number one, social binary... Society is divided into oppressed and oppressor groups. This is their bedrock belief. This is their bedrock truth. All of society is divided into oppressor and oppressed. And notice the dominant group here, the dominant group. Uh, people of color, uh, oppression is racism, dominant group is white, poor, working class, classism, um, women, transgender sexism, men, uh, gays, lesbians, heterosexual, uh, heterosexism, heterosexuals, um, Muslim, Buddhist, Jews, religious oppression, anti-semitism, they're Christians, people with disabilities, uh, immigrants, indigenous people. This is why they called him a racist upon somebody, because he had, uh, our last president had an idea about, about uh, people coming into the country, doing so legally. The fact that they had to do it legally showed that he was racist and that's why they called uh, immigration reform sexist and racist. Well you could go into more detail of this. The matrix of oppression, I don't know how much of this you can see, but anyway, just point out that there's race, sex, um, gender, sexual orientation, class, what, uh, and all of these other things, ability or disability, religion, and age. Even age down here. All of this fights in. How many of these, how many of these victim credits can you get? Can you assume a, Have you got several? You can play them. You can play these cards. And that's what this is all about. It's a new way to play the game of life. As a victim, how many credits do you have? How many do you have to play? Okay. Now this guy put it, Owen, uh, by the way, his book, and I'm going to recommend that at the end, Owen's book. Notice, he says it this way. The crisscrossing of categories of oppression in society, including race, class, gender, sexuality, age, ability, citizenship, body type, yes, and intersectional thought, the most oppressed person is a black, poor, LGBT, young, disabled, undocumented, fat woman. In other words, she holds all the cards. She's a super victim. <laughs> and that's what they want to try to oppress. That's what they want to appeal to. And uh, Owen's book is really good, by the way. This is called Intersectionality. I hope this helps. Oppression through ideology. What does this mean? Well, premise number two: oppression occurs through hegemonic power. Hegemonic is means the system of power, how it all plays itself out in our society. Uh, notice, carries a strong connotation of conquest and colonial domination. The new left social movement of the 60s and the 70s however shifted the meaning of the concept of oppression. In this new usage, oppression designates the disadvantage and injustice some people suffer, not because of tyrannical power coerces them but because of the everyday practices of well-intentioned liberal society. This is where you have somebody called, gives you a micro aggression aggression it's because they have a preference oh are you married that's a microaggression that means I should be married before I behave that way yes and they say that's a microaggression you are dominating me with your religious ideology and so they fight against that so uh, one dimensional anyway let's go on number uh, oppression occurs through hegemonic power and this is, uh, those in power sleep well at night, their conduct does not seem to, to them like oppression. Well, that's true. And the reason why is because we don't know what's going on, so to speak. We're ignorant of it, we're colorblind to it. And so the biggest group, uh, they say that we need to really attack are old white men. <laughs> and over here, <coughs> not white men, nine white women, White women and white uh, white men, just general. And so basically, it's anybody that's white. But they do kind of categorize that and say, oh, there's some intersectionality here. If you're old, we'll understand. We just think you're foolish. Part of the problem, but we're really going to work on young men. Well, lived experience. This is the one that I really want to talk about here. Because lived experience... We don't realize how many people believe this idea. I talked to somebody in the church who there's somebody in the church that, that teaches critical race theory and I began to talk to them about why what you believed about the Bible. I said you're gonna have to make up a choice either you believe this philosophy or what the Bible says about free will and about men being accountable to God and he told me some story about uh, Something that happened to him in a racist situation. And he said, do you think that's good? I said, no. I don't think it's good whenever people beat up children. I don't think it's good whenever anything evil happens. God doesn't care either. God wants to bring everything, work into judgment, whether it be good or evil. And I said, we need to care about each other. Care and empathize. We weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. And that's, and that's anybody. It doesn't mean color. We don't rejoice with white people. You know? And not. We, ha- we have to treat everyone, rich or poor, no matter what their gender, book of Galatians. No matter what, we have to look at them and say they are worthy of regard because they are made in the image of God. Well, they say that you should listen to my story and it had a little more meaning to you than it has before. So I listened to the story. And finally, I said to the person, it's a good story. Sad that it happened. So what? What's the point you're trying to make? Well, that you should give all black people a, a card that says get out of jail free because of that. Oh, so that's how this works in law, is that because things happen, they are not held accountable for other things. And he said, yeah. And you just kinda of go, that's not justice. You can't be demanding social justice whenever you justify the wicked and condemn the righteous. God says that's not right. So the whole point is the Bible does confront, Christianity does confront some of these ideas of men. And it says, don't justify the wicked or condemn the righteous, both of them alike art abomination unto the Lord. You see? That's how the Bible deals with it. So, even though people have horrible stories, first of all, that story is not limited to one race. Now, we tend to historically limit it to one race or two races, but it's not limited to one race. I heard a story today by an Asian, who said, I'm discriminated against. If it was truly based on merit, a lot of my friends would be in college but they placed a limit on Asians in college, and I'm being discriminated against. In fact, this Asian wrote a book called The (laughs) Inconvenience." He wrote about how that, that they don't fit because he is a foreigner, but because of work, he's successful. And they don't appreciate that story. I said his story. What about his story? What's about the truthfulness of? Never mind. I won't get to it. Much- okay. Never mind. Okay. Let's go on. Lived experience here. Notice oppressed groups privilege access to truth. We got we got to say your truth trumps my truth. You you get to do, have the job. The, my friends, this happened the other day on airline pilots. I'm glad I know where which airlines is using this terminology because I won't fly with them. <laughs> the point is is you've got to pass the test in order to be awarded there is a system of rewards notice okay lived experience privilege access to the truth let's go on gives opposite uh, oppressed groups privilege access to the truth they'll turn off your they'll put you in Facebook jail if you say certain things I like the little coffee cup that says, I'm a permanent resident of Facebook jail. You know, the whole point is is that you've got to realize mesca- the Western and masculine way of thinking is wrong, and uh, they challenge these thoughts and these ideas at, on every hand. Lived experience oppre- uh, gives oppressed groups privileged access to the truth. Anytime you say something is true, the truth you believe has been used to oppress somebody. To say somebody is a sinner, somebody's wrong, and therefore you're wrong and need to be overthrown. What happened with Marxism? And I'm going to tell you, Marxism started out as an economic model. Then it kind of grew a little bit, became a bigger model for law. And that's why so many, they say, so many black people are in jail. And it's because the laws were written by white people. And therefore, that's what the problem is. Instead of drugs, it's is the person. And unfortunately, there were some white people that were documented as using it in a racist way. And so they quote them often. But the problem is, is it got out of law, into politics, into the home, into everything. And it pervades our society. And that's what's going on now. And though, so we have to, as Christians, try to get involved in social justice. Social justice. They believe social society is a social construct of man. Therefore, man needs to give up. Those who are oppressors in this society need to give up their power and give it to those who are oppressed. Just like the uh, workers, in Mark's time, the workers rebelled and took over the land. Uh, kicked out the oppressors, so the oppressed people today need to take over and you need to give them that power. You need to give it to them. Not because they deserve it, but just because you have it and you can give it. So you ought to give it to them. So this is where social justice comes uh, by these terms. It's a philosophical approach. It's known by an umbrella term, critical theory. So anyway, I'm going to go on down. I've got four minutes according to my clock here. Okay. The em- emphasis is on the sinfulness of oppression. They, they talk to Christians a lot, and they say, listen, all these passages teaches us you need to love your neighbors, yourself, and everything else, and so this is why it's came into the church. And people say, look, men need to give up elderships, and give it to women, because women have been excluded. This was used in Tennessee the first time whenever women were put into the eldership of a church in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, there's other places the ideology is the same. If men exclusively have had this historically, they need to give it up and give it to women. And that's the whole point in all of these these things. The focus of structure, systems, and norms the recognition of hegemonic power, and then of course, what can we do with this? Well, the worldview questions. What is a worldview? We as Christians have a worldview. We believe God created us male and female. He created us, and that we should go out into the world and we should reflect His glory because we are made in the image of God. There's a certain. If you believe in hereditary depravity, you've got a problem defeating these guys. But not those of us who don't believe in hereditary depravity. We believe everybody has the same rights before God, no matter if they're male or female, true or Greek, bond or free. The whole point is, in Christ Jesus, we're all one in Christ Jesus. Well, what is the solution to our problem? Well, Christianity and critical theory, there's the two different solutions that I'm gonna try and say. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Critical theory says patriarchy's gotta go, white supremacy, heteronormative, toxic masculinity, Classism, ageism, ableism, cisgenderism has got to go. Now, here's, what's to, here's where it's going to show up with your kids. When you teach them about being husbands and wives, when you set before them the valid goal of being the best dad and mom that they can be in a home, this is a direct attack on the home. Direct. It's specific and it will attack your children that doesn't bother me it's attacking your children and that's who they want to convert they want to tell you you don't have a right to your children who do you think you are? somebody because you can have a child? that's ableness are you better than somebody who can't have a child? are you putting down them? and so you have no special privileges whenever it comes to your child watch it this is what's being used in school to dismiss parental concern of critical race theory. Who told you you had a right to protect your children? They're not your children. What, I, I have it on video. There was a teacher that said they're not your children. Now that's the way they think. So, notice who we are. Well, critical theory, Christianity, God's creatures, members of various groups. What's our problem? Sin. Oppression. What's the solution? Liberation or Jesus? What's our duty? Loving God, liberating the oppressed. What's our purpose? Glorifying God. It's working for liberation. All they can make out of people is radicals. That's all they want. They're not even after utopia. I I ask, I ask somebody, what happens when everybody gets liberated? They said it'll never happen. I go, then why are you working on it? you're working for it? What's it? Why don't you, if it's not going to happen, then give it up. You're not going to have a utopia. Yeah. I'm not so blind as to believe utopia would happen. Then what are you doing it for? Okay. <laughs> Objective truth exists. I have spent my 45 minutes. <laughs> okay. Um. want to get to the end. We should never challenge lived experience. The Bible says challenge it. Just because somebody believes something doesn't mean it's true. Jacob believed his son's dead. He wasn't. He was lied to. People, there are people being lied to. We have to speak the truth in love to everyone. That's our objective. That's how we make a difference. Liberality. we need to liberate our theology from privileged groups. We need to de decenter white theology is what they say. We need to decenter Western theology. We need to decenter male theology to platform feminist theology. We need to decenter Eurocentric creeds of Reformation and platform liberalism. We need to decenter all men made all male books of the Bible, and platform the extra-biblical books written by women. That's specific. There are people who are going to start questioning your Bible because it's all written by men. And so that's what all this comes down to. Have you ever seen this symbol? These people are woke people. They have this symbol. They believe everything should be decentralized and, and taken down a few notches. Okay, I've got, I'm sorry. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get out of here. I want to recommend some books. Critical, critical or cynical theories. This is a pair This is a fairly good book. It's written by men, but it's a fairly good book. It'll help you with terminology. It'll help you with vocabulary. That's why I recommend this book. It's pretty good. There's another book here. The rise, and uh, uh, the rise. And Trump of the Modern Self by Carl Truman. It's pretty good. It's very good. Social Theory and Social Justice Movement. That's Neil Shinby there on the left. He's really good. Watch his thing on YouTube. His his Christianity and Critical Race Theory, Can They Coexist? is an excellent, excellent discussion. You need to watch it. And then Fault Lines by Bodie Beckham. I tell you what, I like Bodhi very well. <laughs> uh, he now lives in Africa, uh, which is interesting. But he, uh, his book Fault Lines is very helpful, very helpful. And so I just wanted to, to tell you, there's another good book, and there's I don't, want, I'm not selling these in the lobby, but this book right here, Christianity and Wokeness by Ho, he was very helpful on vocabulary. He is probably one of the. If if you only have one book to buy, I'd get that one. Second to both, but this one, this one is very good. It's a very very good book, and so I encourage you. If you're really dealing with it, if you're going to be talking with the local school board at some point, get this book. <laughs> very very. Good helpful I have in my thing in my thing I have some places on YouTube that you should write there is a lot of very good material on the on the internet on excuse me on uh, YouTube about this and I'm kind of surprised they haven't been uh, taken down but they haven't so as long as they're up get them and so some of this is in here I wish I could print this off but I can't one thing that does please me greatly is that <laughs> this is a map. And these are the states, and here's the legend, and you could read it, of states that have said the one the ones in red have said no teaching critical race theory in our school. They took and made a statement. They made it about here. But look, the East Coast and the West Coast. But thankfully There's some people willing to fight about these things and take a stand for their kids and believing the truth to be the truth. So if you can look at this, it'll be helpful to you. And last, I want to just mention, before we go into question and answer, Christians sometimes buy into the fact that they want to be anti-racist. And they they are using this term to get you to buy into their their theology, their ideas, their philosophy. They say, aren't you anti-racist? When you say anti-racist, when they say anti-racist, it is two different things, totally. Be aware of that. They are saying something vastly different. Here's what they're saying. That there's a fear zone where you avoid hard questions, I understand my own privilege, and I speak out when I see racist. That means either they want you to become a radical. I see questions that make me uncomfortable, I sit with my discomfort, I deny racism is a problem over here in the fear zone. And they believe that if you say, I deny that, I believe in the blind. They say, oh, you're still back in here in the zone. We'll take pity on you. We'll wait until you grow a little bit. But once you get over here, then you're woke. That's what being woke is all about. is when you will acknowledge that you're an oppressor class and that you're doing everything you can to get out of it. And so don't let don't let mistakes deter me from being better. And so they t- say this. What you need to say is, I am committed, just like Jesus was, I desire all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's what we need to respond. And the church will be victorious if we'll take our stand on the truth. Okay, I'm done.